100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast. This is a special Mountain Buck Q&A episode. The way that these podcasts are going to work going forward, so this will be an additional podcast to the regular weekly podcast that comes out. So this one's going to come out on Friday. And the purpose of this podcast specifically is basically to answer some of your questions from my point of view, my experiences, and just give you uh, just a quick and dirty 10 to 20 minute answer on maybe one, maybe two, maybe three questions, depending on how they tie together and how it kind of rolls out here. But uh, it's going to be short and sweet, meant for, you know, if you're driving to work or driving to the grocery store, or driving to your hunting spot, something that you can get a little bit of information out of. And uh, I've done, I did something similar to this a few years back, but uh, this one's kind of completely new here. So I appreciate any and all feedback on it. And uh, if you like it, you don't like it, doesn't matter to me. I'd love to hear from it. And uh, yeah, get better with it. So this podcast is brought to you by Timber Ninja Outdoors. And what I want to do here is if you're going to send in questions is send them to my email, boateastmeetswesthunt.com and make sure that you put in the subject line, Mountain Buck Q&A. Put that in there so I'm able to find the emails really easy. So what I've been doing up to this point, because I did announce this on the podcast a little while ago, is I've been taking these emails, kind of categorizing them, as well as I've been saving questions from social media for a long time. And I've seen some trends. So some of these first episodes aren't going to be from a specific person because these questions have come in numerous times over and over again. So I want to hit these ones first because it definitely seems like something that uh, is of interest. So the first one is in large, it's been asked in a bunch of different ways, but how do you break down a large area into a smaller manageable area to hunt or scout? So this is this is very this one is comes whether you're hunting in your home state, whether you're going out of state, all of those different things. You know, a lot of times these state forests, national forests, state game lands, 
timber company properties, whatever they are, are larger chunks of land. So how do you pick the spot that you're going to start hunting or scouting to be able to go through that? And how, how I look at this is I ask myself three questions. First, first and foremost, I ask myself three questions. So what time of year are you planning on hunting it? Is this something that you plan on hunting all year? Is this something that you're going on an annual rut trip? Those types of things are going to matter as it comes into it. Another one is food availability. Does it butt up against private? Are there agricultural properties that are nearby? Are there mostly oak trees and other hard mass trees that can produce acorns and other nuts that the deer might be interested in? Or is it basically, you know, a lot of clear cut land, maybe not any oak trees? Like what... What are you looking at from the map? Now, that's that's hard to tell. There are some resources and things out there that tell you where you know oak trees are supposed to be. I haven't found those to be extremely accurate, uh, but they can be a, a starting point to, to be able to find some of these places that, that have that. Now, the, net, the last question I ask is, what do I think hunting pressure is going to be like? So hunting pressure is another one that is somewhat difficult to predict, but at the same time, it's not. So I look at it as how close is it to nearest towns, city centers, everything like that. If something's within an hour drive, there's a good chance people can hunt it on nights, during the week, you know, quick weekend trips, anything like that. But if you get a couple hours away from the major populated areas, so in a way you can tell that, just look at a map and see where all the roads are. And it doesn't always have to be a big city. Sometimes it can be some smaller cities or, or larger towns that can be nearby. You know, what what does the, the human population look like? Because if that's low, then a lot of times what you're looking at is people traveling to these areas to come to it. So it's, it's obviously going to be a little bit reduced hunting pressure at that point. Now, there's something that you can throw a caveat in there. And if you look at the first two weeks of November and you're looking to go to Ohio, well, there's probably going to be hunting pressure even in the middle of nowhere because that's when people are traveling there. So all these things come into mind when I'm looking at scouting or hunting these uh, pieces of property. So now with that in mind, the next thing what I'm going to do and starting my process and the e-scouting process is looking for areas that have habitat diversity. So I'm looking at the map uh, in layman's term, it's basically looking at the map and looking for areas that have a bunch of different colors there. So if you're looking at areas that have, you know, bright green here, we got some dark green over there. We've got what looks like a clear cut here, maybe an opening that's over here. And you have a lot of these different features in one particular area and what the light green, the dark green, those types of things mean. Now it all depends on when that imagery was taken. But if you're looking at summer imagery, usually lighter green is more of a a hardwood tree, maybe some softwoods that are there, but the dark green is typically conifers. So that I love finding areas that have a mixture of conifers and hard and soft woods that are mixed in. And then clear cuts will be really easy to be able to identify on the map, especially newer ones, because of uh, it'll be, you know, uh, 
particular shape that is completely different than anything else that you're able to see there. Now, with clear cuts, understand that it depends on when the imagery is taken to be able to, to understand how old the cut is. Now, if you're in an area where, say, on Spartan Forge, you have UAV imagery, you can look at that exact date and know when that photo was taken. You know, the area that, um, that I hunt in West Virginia is I had there, the photo was taken March of 2023. I was down there scouting that month. And I was like, this is the, the plane had to flying over here uh, a couple weeks prior to this. So it's, it's pretty wild, uh, with some of the imagery that you can find and how new it can be, but not all areas are like that. And, uh, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. So use your best judgment with that. The next thing is when I find an area that has a bunch of those features in there, I'm going to look at zones of pressure. So that's a term that I learned from Mark Livesey in his e-scouting course for elk, um, treeline pursuits. And I just kind of stole his term there to, to be able to use because I think it, it makes a lot of sense. So the zones of pressure are areas where you think that people will be coming in from. So I'll go around marking campgrounds, marking access points, the end dead end roads, uh, pull-offs, gates, all of those different things that would access into this particular area. And I look at to see where the pressure is going to come from. And a lot of times you'll find that it comes from a particular location, whether that be down in the bottom, maybe that's on the top, maybe that's on the east side, south side, west side, north side, whatever. But you tend to find some pockets of where that pressure is coming from uh, for the most part. And then from there, I start going through and looking at the terrain. And I've always struggled in big wood settings without ag in areas that don't have a lot of terrain. I, I believe personally for me that they're harder to hunt than areas with terrain. Now, terrain, what terrain does is it helps funnel deer movement and it also alleviates a little bit of the pressure because. If you find an area that's got six, seven, eight hundred feet elevation gain from top to bottom and access is only in the bottom, there's not too many people that are going to make that hike day after day. They might do it once, they might do it twice, but they're not going to continue to do that unless they're a pretty diehard hunter. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%, and if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. Now, you have to be prepared for that if that's what you're, you think that you're capable of doing or are being able to do that and and make sure you have realistic expectations with with yourself on how that how that looks but i want areas that have different terrain and that just helps with the pressure and it also helps with predicting deer movement so i will look at 
start marking things. So I'll go through Spartan Forge on my computer and I'm going through and I'm marking, you know, I'm marking these bedding points, saddles, bench systems, the tops of ditches, uh, edges of clear cuts, uh, edges of conifers as far as from the vegetation standpoint. And I'm starting to mark all these and your map's going to look a little clustered at first. And that's okay because at that point, what I'm trying to do is look at trends of where I'm finding areas that have a bunch of these different things there. Now, that's an area I want to check out and I want to go look at some more. In areas that you, it's, it's really difficult to be able to tell how thick an area is from an aerial map. So that's why I'll mark your traditional bedding points, these finger ridges that come off. But I'm also looking at some of the smaller little points that are jetting out the side of the hills from some of these benches because sometimes that'll hold bucks where a lot of people are attracted to these normal finger ridges and these saddles, everything there. And, and I'm still marking these things because they are important and you can still find sign there. It just may not be where you tend to hunt. So I, I want to give, um, well, no, I guess there's one more thing that, you know, from there, the next thing I do is look at past wind directions for the month that you plan on hunting. So in Spartan Forge, you can look at historical wind directions. So I'll go through in the app, I'll go through and I'll look and I'll be like, all right, in November, that's what I'm planning on being in this spot. We have a predominantly west-southwest wind for most of the time or some variation of that. So I want to find eastern, northeastern, and you know northern kind of facing sides of these hills and really focus my efforts there first to make the most of my scouting versus just looking at all this land. This just helps you be able to maximize your scouting time if you have a weekend to do it or you're going on a seven-day rut hunt you can spend the first couple days going around scouting and looking at these things versus just you know diving in to everything and not really knowing where to start and it taking you a while to be able to find it now these are all rules of thumb you may get there and you may drive some roads and things might be different or maybe the wind is an east wind the week that you're going to be there and that's okay and you just have to adapt on the fly to that. So I want to tell you a little story that I have from 2017 uh, hunting in Ohio. So I went to a new area in Ohio in the spring of 2017. And I found this area on a map. So I found it. It had a lot of vegetation diversity. It was some reclaimed uh, coal mines. And it also had a lot of big wood stuff in there. It just had a mixture of things that were there. And what the rest of the area was, was just mature forest, no clear cuts, just big hardwood stuff. And that's what I had been hunting up to that point. Well, this area drew to me because it had a bunch of different stuff that was, was there. And in addition to that, there was no top access to any of the roads. So you had to hike from the bottom to get up into the this particular area. I went in there in the spring and I just spent a day walking around it, hitting some of these points and looking through it and finding sign. I found this scrape that was in the center of this like kind of a knife ridge saddle. It was pretty steep on each side. There was a ditch right behind me. Like everything was perfect. There was a licking branch that was about the size of two of your thumbs broken off in that spot. And I was like, man, this looks really good. But it's kind of in an area where, you know, saddles technically get pressure. 
but I looked at it and I was like, I wasn't seeing much other hunter sign in there. There wasn't old scent bottles. There wasn't tree stands that were left in there, anything like that. And I was like, I think I can access this from the bottom and come up and set up right at the top of this ditch, just below the saddle and, you know, catch some bucks cruising here during the rut. So I'd killed a buck in Pennsylvania on November 8th. And, uh, that next day I spent time processing it. I drove through the night on the ninth, got there the morning of the 10th and just hiked straight in and drove all night, just hiked straight in that morning and, uh, went and set up in that spot and, uh, the scrape was opened up. I didn't need to go anywhere else. I was like, this is my place that I'm, that I'm going to hunt. And I sat there all day and I want to say it was about an hour before dark, I had a nice buck come cruising around, came around the rim, kind of up the side and was going across the side of the ditch and going over top of the saddle towards that scrape. He never made it to that scrape and I shot him. He was a 12 point and uh, died right on top of the ridge there, took it out. It was my second shortest hunt that I had ever had in Ohio. For some reason, Ohio has been good to me the year before I had shot one, or I guess it was two years prior to that. I'd shot one in the first hour of being there, but usually it takes me uh, a little bit shorter time in Ohio than it has in, in Pennsylvania specifically. But that hunt was an example of how I was breaking down a large area, making it into a smaller spot and then going in, trusting my gut, trusting the scouting that I had done prior to it and being able to make it happen. So I hope this one helped you out a little bit here. This was um, this was kind of one question, but there was a lot of parts to it. And I just wanted to give you my personal experience and thought process on how I think about it. There's a plenty of ways you can do this. Just want to give my personal opinion and give you some feedback there. So thank you. And I uh, hope you guys have a good hunting season. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.